Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto. Today, we have another great show lined up for you. It is our live show in which we welcome call-ins to ask questions on anything, but most important, on oil and gas. So if you have a question for uh, myself, David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine, or Car Ingham, who is a petroleum economist with the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, I encourage you to call in. The phone number is area code 210 308-8867. Again, that's 210-308-8867. Before we bring on Karingam, who is, is, again, like I said earlier, a petroleum economist and the executive vice president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, producer, excuse me, and David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine, I'd first like to tell you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine. The cover is Alan Gilmer, who is, uh, you might know him, uh, or his company is Enervest, who recently had a name change from Drilling Info. Uh, so we had him on the cover. We wanted to catch up with him and talk a little bit about what's going on there at uh, Drilling Info or Enervest, formerly known as Drilling Info. So check it out. It's an interesting story. If you want uh, to read all about Alan Gilmer, go to Shale, S-H-A-L-E, MAG.com. Again, that's Shale, S H A L E, MAG.com. And before we bring on our guest, I also want to talk to you about the fastest growing networking energy chamber group in Texas. If you want to grow your business, your brand, um, in front or with oil and gas, uh, in, uh, in, in front of the oil and gas industry, I encourage you to join TEAK, Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. Again, it's the fastest growing energy chamber in Texas. For more information, go to txenergyadvocates.com. Again, that's txenergyadvocates.com. And you know what? It is free to join. So I encourage you, if you want to grow your business... If you want it to be free, of course, the networking events are not free, but to join as a member and stay up to date on everything that's happening with uh, Teak, go to txenergyadvocates.com. And now let's welcome on our guest, Carr Ingham. Carr, are you there? Welcome to the show. I am here, and uh, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure to be here. Well, you know, we love our relationship with the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers because you guys know everything when it comes to oil and gas. You've been around. How long has the, the, uh, your alliance been around for? It's been around for a long time. It has. We actually began. Uh, uh, the origins of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers are actually two regional associations in Texas that date back to the 1930s. The North Texas Oil and Gas Association, which was the kind of Wichita Falls area and a you know, pretty wide group of counties uh, surrounding uh, Wichita Falls, and then the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association, which was in Abilene. So these two associations have a long history of uh, advocacy for the oil and gas industry, but also a long history of just some extraordinary, legendary operators and producers uh, who were involved with both those associations dating way back when, and then in some respects even up to the alliance today. So in 2000, 
Bill Stevens, who was the executive vice president of West Central Texas, and Alex Mills, who was president of North, North Texas Oil and Gas Association, all kind of saw the handwriting on the wall when it came to the nature of regional associations in Texas. And now there are only two that are not statewide, Permian Basin and Panhandle Producers and Royalty Owners Association. So the alliance and uh, the alliance came into being in, two, in 2000 when West Central Texas and North Texas Oil and Gas Association merged and went statewide. So we've been the alliance as a statewide association since the year 2000. But again, the history goes back to the 1930s. Well, now we've seen some um, merging of uh, associations. And that typically happens when we start seeing this retracting, if you will, of the energy sector. And I think that there's probably a lot of people that are curious about what really is going on in the oil and gas sector with, of course, um, you know, oil prices are down. There's been a lot of movement. Luckily, there hasn't been any wars because of it or, you know, drawing us back into countries uh, or areas like the Middle East. Um, But what is, um, you know, as we start seeing um, some retracting in different areas, the stabilization of the energy sector and, of course, the, uh, the, the, the turnaround on activity levels. Tell me a little bit about what you think is happening right now, because you are the expert in this. Uh, as a petroleum economist, this is right in your, you know, bowling alley lane, if you will. Tell sure. us about it. Well, uh, you know, there are a lot of people involved in the oil and gas business around the state of Texas that know what they're talking about, either from an economic perspective or an operator perspective, a company perspective, both small and large. And so, I, you know, I'm not really here to take any issue with anybody on that. I certainly do look at these things from the standpoint of um, of oil and gas economics, both in terms of uh, the industry itself, what it looks like in the state of Texas. And we're going to get deeper into that, and we're going to unpack it in the show. Yeah, unpack it in the show, but uh, great. And uh, but then beyond that, just you know, the nature of energy economics and these these transformational shifts that we've seen uh, over the last. Oh, you know, a couple of decades, better part of a couple of decades. So, you know, if you listen to people talk about the oil and gas business in Texas in 2019, you would think, I'm listening to some people, that it's just this bloodbath out there, that these are terrible times like we've never seen before. I think we've seen Uh, worse. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it has been worse. My goodness, it was certainly worse in 2015. And uh, but but these are interesting times. I mean, there are things going on right now that we really haven't seen before. But they are an outgrowth of the things that the Texas and U.S. oil and gas industries have accomplished in the last oh, 15 years or so in terms of just exploding domestic production, both for crude oil and natural gas. So it's just an outgrowth of all of these things, and it's about a turnaround in production, a turnaround in activity. Things that you know, 30 years ago, even 25 years ago. Uh, you know, most people didn't think was possible. They didn't think it was geologically possible to turn around crude oil production and start to grow it again after decades of decline. And so what's occurring now, I think, is just an outgrowth of all of this. And the things that we're witnessing right now in terms of the decline in rig count in 2019 and other measures of activity are just uh, relative to some really high levels of activity uh, and extraordinary sets of circumstances in recent years. And so I think everybody kind of has uh, a different uh, perspective of this, depending on who they are and what they do. 
Um, but here's what this looks like to me as we close out 2019. Crude oil prices have been very steadily in the 50 to $55 range for posted prices, which is what producers get paid, you know, for a barrel of West Texas Intermediate by the first purchaser of that barrel. And futures prices a little higher than that. So we've held in that range for the better part of 2019. Now, this is down, you know, compared to the peaks in let's say, third, early fourth quarter of 2018, uh, down by, you know, maybe 20% or somewhere around in there. Here's what here's what would have been very troublesome if crude oil prices would have fallen from 70 down to 50, down to 40, down to 30, down to 25. This is exactly what happened in 2014, 15, and early 2016. We've stabilized in terms of crude oil prices and while it's not 65 and it's not $70 a barrel, and while things would look better and sentiments would be better with another 10 15 20 bucks a barrel, my goodness, market circumstances could certainly be worse than they are right now. Uh, meanwhile, we continue to grow crude oil production, although the rate of growth is slowing as we've slowed down drilling in 2019. Uh, we're setting all kinds of records in terms of national production, statewide production, Permian production, natural gas production. Um, we're continuing to uh, uh, to slow down on crude oil imports, increase crude oil exports, um, and again, doing fantastic things in terms of net petroleum um, uh, uh, imports into the country at their lowest level since, my goodness, I don't know when, decades and decades. So a great many wonderful things are occurring, but people aren't making as much money as they were. And there is some contraction going on out there, and there is some job loss uh, in the oil patch in Texas and in the Permian. Um, And so this is not a period of stunning growth, uh, dramatic expansion with jobs being added, uh, rigs being added. and if I were an oil and gas service company, I mean, these are the guys who are really getting clobbered. Taking so it hard, yeah. They're, they're, not they're having gonna hard a, Not going to get a, a fantastic uh, report or outlook out of the service companies because they are taking a beating. And about this, I think there is no doubt. And how that ultimately say, shakes out, I'm not sure. But from the standpoint of uh, oil and gas economics, we've seen much worse years than we've seen in 2019. And from the standpoint of what the industry is doing for the consumer economy uh, in the U.S., globally in many respects, but certainly in the U.S., um, it continues to be an extraordinary, fantastic story. It continues to irritate me beyond description. Oh, we're going to uh, get into that. <laughs> no get into that. standing on the part of these consumers. But you know, but you know what, Carl? You know what, Carl? Yeah. Though? That's why we have this show, is to help enjoy your low... Uh, gas prices at the pump. Enjoy uh, lower utility bills. Enjoy what you're getting uh, as as a nation because it is all because of fracking that we're enjoying it. And we're going to talk about some of the, the ludicrousness going on, if you will, um, in uh, some of these uh, elect- well politicians that want to be elected to office. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. 
The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C., and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. And today is our live show in which we welcome questions on oil and gas from the community and our listeners. If you're interested in calling in and talking to Carr Ingham, who is a petroleum economist and executive vice president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, call now, 210-308-8867. Again, that's 210-308-8867. Carr, before the break, we were... We were talking about all the changes that we're seeing in oil and gas, and I was closing out the first segment with we should all enjoy the hard work that oil and gas has produced to us in the way of really, really cheap uh, gas prices at the pump and really relatively low utility bills, if you will, in a somewhat kind of cooler season, which, of course, is the winter. The other night we had the debate uh, with the Democratic Party. And look, I'm not here to tell listeners who they need to vote for. I'm only trying to talk about oil and gas because the, in the debate, there was discussion on fossil fuels. And uh, mostly everyone that was on that stage was very much against fossil fuels. And that's alarming to me because they don't understand uh, what it would do to the average Joe, if you will, if we were to lose oil and gas. Can you can you go to doomsday with me, if you will, and tell me how dangerous is the rhetoric that they're talking about of shutting off fossil fuels, uh, taking drilling off of federal lands? I mean, what do you see happening? Because I want the person to understand it's going to affect you. <laughs> it's definitely going to affect us, all of us. Tell me what your thoughts. Well, first of all, on the, the, the uh, debate, and then what do you think would happen if they were so fortunate to get elected? Well, I, I, I'm with you. Uh, having a discussion about politics, um, 
It's and, not my favorite uh, thing to do, trust me, because I know there's many opinions. Preferences, yeah. uh, who people are going to vote for, you know, the, 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 the reason for voting for one candidate, for one candidate or another, um, typically, you know, spans, uh, you know, kind of across the spectrum of ideas, you yes. know, uh, and a, a kind of a, a sentiment of what uh, a, a candidate's general outlook on things is, you know, uh, are they, are they, uh, you know, pro uh, company and anti-employee? I mean, I, I think all of these are false premises, by the way. But, but you know, it's it's not just a matter of energy, but uh, but the energy debate and that party um, really uh, is uh, points to their systematic view of what an economy ought to look like uh, and who ought to be running the economy. Um, <clears throat> and um, but they and wrap it around climate change. They existed. Oh, they most certainly they wrap it around climate change and. That's not going to change. What's happening? Well, little, little doubt about that. I mean, the climate change. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've heard me say it, if not on this program and some other format before. I, I personally don't really believe the discussion about climate change and the environment has very much at all to do with the climate and the environment. I think it has to do, and it's not just me. Listen to they themselves and statements that they've made about this. Uh, I think it has to do with their vision of the. Um, of the nature of an economy. Uh, and I think it has to do with transforming the United States economy from a free market uh, capitalistic economy in which individual freedom and liberty is at the top of the list mm -hmm. uh, to something uh, where um, the government um, uh, essentially uh, uh, runs the economy, manages the economy, manages industries within the economy, uh, it's a command and control economy rather than a market economy. It's an economy that, if not outright socialistic, is certainly a transfer-based economy, um, but uh, socialistic in some respects. Now, socialistic, depending on your economic textbook definition of this, most people, when they hear that word or think that word, what they, what they think is and what they mean when they say this is that the government has a heavy, heavy role in private industries. Um, that uh, that uh, up to this point or over the long history of the United States just simply let markets determine what the output was going to be for goods and services and, mm -hmm. and uh, that this was the way uh, decisions were made, economic resources were allocated through price and market systems and they proposed to change this from that to something else. And the problem again with this is uh, that it changes the economy from one where personal freedom and liberty uh, rules the day to one where we are uh, subjects of our own government. And uh, frankly, uh, there's no doubt about this, to accomplish some of the things that we're talking about, like the Green Raw Deal, uh, which is the only name I will ever have for that. The nonsense. Green Raw Deal. Okay. Green Raw Deal. <laughs> um, uh, uh, this can only be accomplished through the coercion of the American people at the hands of their own government. This is why, to me, this entire discussion is so dangerous. Uh, it's not just oil and gas, but to, to that point, um, there are two sides of the ledger that we would look at in terms of the economics of a fracking ban, or even a fracking ban on, on public lands, on federal lands. Uh, but what they propose to do is to ban fracking again, whatever this means. I, I you know, uh, but 
but but really to uh, to diminish oil and gas fossil fuel production to an extraordinary degree. This is really what they're saying, I believe, when they say this. And so there's two parts of this. Number one, what does it do to the economy in terms of the economic contributions that the activity of the industry uh, uh, makes to the economy, jobs, um, uh, 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 economic output, uh, gross domestic product, and so on and so forth. This would be catastrophic, certainly in the state of Texas, where if you just add them all up, I mean, jobs that are that it, that there would be no place for in a green raw deal. Oh, most definitely, uh, it would. It would totally annihilate Texas economy and and a lot of unemployment here in this state. When we get back from break, Gar, Car, I want to take the second part of this question. Uh, you're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hey, you. Do you want to join the fastest-growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business. So you've got my attention. What is it? TEAK is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold free business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free. No charge to join. No charge to attend mixers. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash teak and click on the join link. Enter your information and we'll get you set up. Join the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition at shalemag.com slash teak today. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. This is our live show in which we encourage listeners to call in and ask a question to Carr Ingham, who is the, a petroleum economist and the executive vice president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. And we're also being joined by David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. Now, Carr, before the break, we were talking about the Democratic debate that just happened last week. Um, and a lot of this discussion uh, from the platform was how really anti-oil and gas they are, anti-not oil and gas, but hydraulic fracturing specifically. And you were making a point. Well, no, but oil and gas, trust me. It's, it's, it's all in there. Okay. Well, you know, you were making a point about Texas, the great state of Texas. What would happen uh, if if they were elected and they really started to flip these switches, if you will, or executive orders to uh, freeze any hydraulic fracturing going on or, or uh, you know, fracking, if you will, uh, on federal lands. So you were making your point about it would not be good for Texas, but you had a second point to this as a petroleum economist. And we should all listen because if anyone knows what's going to happen, <laughs> it's you pertaining to how bad this would be for the United States. Well, uh, on the on the front side of that, just just doing this in Texas alone um, would uh, put 
put a stop to directly, you know, somewhere around 12% of statewide activity just on the upstream side. Um, add midstream and downstream to that, you're up somewhere around 25%. I mean, you're directly shutting down about 25% of the statewide economy. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't stop there, of course. This ripples throughout the rest of the economy right. because there are a bunch of other industries right, that are tied course. to that. Yeah. Uh, it's just a killer. Um, and then, of course, job loss happens the same way. Uh, the Texas economy becomes, I don't know, half the size that it is now. Worse than that, actually. But it, because it starts a downward spiral where one negative event begets another, begets another, begets another. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, what, you know, what do people do for a living if they're not in the oil and gas business or serving the oil and gas business or um, receiving the uh, business revenue from the paychecks of people in the oil and gas business and so on and so on? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's in my a mind, Carr, in my mind, uh, outside of the oil and gas, never working a day in oil and gas, I see wars, unnecessary wars. I see our military engaging. I see people dying in uh, things that really we don't have to be there. Shale and fracking in North America pretty much has eliminated a lot of this for many well, reasons. You raise a, a fascinating point. It's a matter of national it. security. Are we getting it from somewhere else? Or... Are we not permitting uh, our economy to be uh, powered by fossil fuels anymore? So do we stop imports at the same time that we stop uh, production domestically? I mean, when you spin this out, um, there's, you know, uh, nobody ever asked them to do this. But what happens if (laughs) if we dramatically curtail domestic production? Are we still permitted? to go out there into the marketplace and buy from somebody else and bring it in and take ourselves right back to where we were not all that many years ago. We're importing 65, 70% of our petroleum usage. I mean, uh, your, your point is more dramatic than that. And I don't disagree with that. I'm just suggesting that you point to another uh, outcome of this. And, um, you know, people who are serious about this discussion ought to spin this out beyond just the initial proclamation and say, okay, what does that mean in step one? What does that mean in step two? What does that mean 10 steps down the line? And how do we answer these questions? If we're not producing domestic uh, fossil fuel energy, petroleum energy, are we getting it from somewhere else? Or are we simply not permitting our economy to be run on that anymore? And by run on that, I mean 80 percent, 80 plus percent as of 2018 of the nation's energy in terms of motor transportation, uh, in terms of electric power generation and all the other things that we use energy for, that number is 81, 82 percent. And so, um, and so, when I suggest, are, are we not going to allow that to occur anymore? Are we going to take that and, number down to something else? I don't, I don't but know, you know, Carr, we, we all remember paying. What the answer to this question? We all remember, though, paying four dollars over four dollars at the pump, um, and we remember not so long ago being in the Middle East fighting wars that. We were there for a number of reasons. When we return from break, I want to bring on uh, line two, David Blackman, and uh, the average Joe of Woodlands from the Woodlands. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hi, folks. Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. 
Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators, as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Today is our live show, which we welcome callers uh, to call in and have a discussion and join the conversation pertaining to oil and gas. Um, If you want to join the discussion, the phone number to call is 210-308-8867. Again, that's 210-308-8867. Carr, you are a petroleum economist and also the executive vice president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. We also have been joined in, he's been a little quiet, David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. David, are you there? Welcome to the show. I am, yes. All right, we can hear you. And I want to bring on uh, our caller who comes up on the screen as the average Joe, which I love that because we're kind of all average Joes when we're talking about oil and gas. Uh, Joe, are you there from the Woodlands? I know you call in a lot. You follow the show. We appreciate you listening in. Yes, I'm right here. I heard you were looking for, you know, callers uh, such as me, the average Joe. The average right. Joe. I love it. <laughs> so uh, what's your so, question? And I am Joe, by the way. So. <laughs> That's true. That's and true. Slightly above average, I'd like to brag. <laughs> you know, you, you email a lot and you have, you know, a lot of questions that really uh, are what people should be asking about oil and gas. So, you know, we're being joined by David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine, over 30 years of experience in the oil and gas, car Ingram, a petroleum economist, and we feel confident that we can have a discussion and answer any question you might have on oil and gas. So what's your question for them? Exactly. Uh, the question I have is about that closely watched lawsuit filed upon ExxonMobil by several attorneys generals in very left-wing states alleging that ExxonMobil purposely hid the, you know, so-called true cost Mm. of global warming from shareholders. And that suit was eventually whittled down to just New York State against ExxonMobil, and thankfully, ExxonMobil won. But that was only after millions in legal fees were shelled out defending them from these false charges. It was sort of like those impeachment charges. The leftists kept changing their story as the case went on. But even though they lost, the same corrupt leftist attorneys generals are warning that they're going to, going to keep going after other uh, companies that aren't towing the alleged climate story line. And yeah. so what do you all think about all this? Mm, interesting. But well, that's true. I, I, yeah, I've, I've uh, written quite a bit about that particular lawsuit. Uh, This is David Blackman. Um, Yeah, you're right, Joe. I mean, you described it uh, exactly correctly. That's an interesting analogy to the impeachment vote. I I think it's very apt. Uh, And yes, you're right. Uh, Even though New York State got poured out by its own, the judge in the case was actually a uh, very liberal member of the New York State Supreme Court, and he just basically laughed their attorney general out of court. In the final case, you would hope that that would have a chilling effect on the the other Democratic attorneys general from these other states like Connecticut and Massachusetts and Rhode Island and New Jersey and on and on and on up the east and west coast. Uh, But I doubt that'll stop them. They'll just keep 
uh, throwing out lawsuits and, you know, with different, slightly different uh, 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 complaints um, until they find something that sticks. The, the purpose, really, of the lawsuits is, and frankly, it's, it's more of a, a, a harassment kind of thing and a public relations kind of thing, promoting global warming theory. Uh, and trying to do damage to the industries and ExxonMobil's uh, public reputation, then it then it really is about any damages, you know, being won. Um, and so I, I expect them to just continue to um, pursue the cases. And unfortunately, you know, that'll cost ExxonMobil and the other companies that uh, eventually get named in these lawsuits millions and millions of dollars. And uh, Sadly, there's not really much they can do about it uh, other than defend themselves. You, you know, the choice that Exxon had in this case was to either try to reach a settlement or defend itself aggressively uh, in order to beat it back. And a lot of companies, I have to say, a lot of companies in the oil and gas industry would have probably settled, sought a settlement, uh, just as an easy means to get out of it and hopefully make it go away. Uh, the entire industry should be very grateful to ExxonMobil for aggressively defending itself in what was, without any question at all, a very frivolous and baseless lawsuit. And um, you know, but but sadly, I don't think it'll stop. Interesting. You know, I have an idea. Of course, this would uh, never really happen, but it would be great to just kind of teach them a lesson of. Go one day without oil and gas, period. And let's see if you're not voted out of office so quick because <laughs> it's not possible to be without it. And yet uh, they continue to um, do these uh, frivolous lawsuits, if you will. And uh, what's your point? Because you really can't. And, and so I encourage our listeners to read a book called The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels by Alex Epstein and kind of puts where we would be without energy or a byproduct of energy and everything that we use is is we need energy it it sustains life is the point and um and i think that if uh so if you want to talk about climate change and all these well first it was global warming right and then they changed it to climate change and now we're we're on this path of uh, hydraulic fracturing is really, really bad. But I think the point is, is if you read that book, it makes you understand that without it, we would be in a worse spot. And um, it's just, the, yeah. that's not the answer. And you cannot be without it. We don't have any kind of resources to be able to get totally unplugged, if you will. So it's kind of important that uh, when they do these lawsuits, these international oil and gas companies should fight back in that way and show them what a day would be like without it. When we get back, Joe, thank you for calling in. When we get back from break, guys, I want to get into a deeper discussion. I want to unpack that a little bit more, but I also want to talk about the New Deal, uh, USMCA as well. But we have to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Be sure to call in 210-308-8867. Again, the number is 210-308-8867. If you want to talk about oil and gas, call in right now. We'll be right back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Plan your next 
next meeting or event at Victoria College's Emerging Technology Complex, home to the state-of-the-art conference and education center, conveniently located between Houston and Corpus Christi. The center hosts meetings, educational workshops, and banquets for up to 300 people with the latest in technology amenities and ample parking. Let their professional meeting planners make your next event a success. For more information, go to conferenceinvictoria.com. Once again, that's conferenceinvictoria.com. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three- and six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side owner study. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone today and call 210-240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. We're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Today is our live show in which we encourage listeners to call in and ask a question about oil and gas. Uh, we're being joined by Carr Ingham, who is a petroleum economist as well as the executive vice president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers and David Blackman, who is the editor of Shell Magazine. And uh, I don't know if you guys heard that commercial right before we got on about Shell is your one-stop shop. I'm like, that is a nice-sounding commercial. Oh, well, we better get back onto the show. I'm just doing a quick plug, a shameless little plug, if you will. Um, you know, before the break, we got, thank you, Joe, for calling in. But, you know, he, he made a great point, which is where are we going with all of this nonsense that's happening? And uh, this show is really designed to open the eyes of the average driver, the average person that really does not understand when these people are talking this, you might want to pay attention because it's going to affect you. You don't think it is because you don't work in the oil and gas like I don't, but I do believe it has a very, very big impact on all of us. Um, So I want to bring it back to you guys. Before we bring on another caller, David Carr, do you guys have, I know you might want to jump in on this. I gave my spin on it, in my opinion, which (laughs) isn't good. Anybody else want to give an opinion? Well, I I have suggested uh, in my role uh, with the Alliance as our economist and now executive vice president in terms of trying to determine what our strategy as an organization that represents in our case for the most part small independent producers although we certainly have most of the big guys in our membership roles as well but we are an organization whose charter first and foremost is to stand in the gap for small independent producers and typically how i describe that operator is a sophisticated uh, operator uh, who does great work, um, whose name you've never heard before. Uh, and there are literally thousands of them in the state of Texas. 
so the oil and gas industry in Texas is not just ExxonMobil and BP and Shell and Chevron, uh, and even the large publicly traded independent. It is the these thousands of smaller operators who are, you know, range from one, two people up to 40 or 50 people, whatever the case may be. And uh, I'd like for those guys to still be around 10 years from now. So when we talk about what our strategy is going to be, um, we have to think about this in terms of what is effective, um, uh, what represents those smaller independent producers. And I have suggested on more than one occasion that I don't think we've done a proper assessment and therefore don't really have any idea of the extent to which we have already been steamrolled by this discussion as an industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you can just know that that's true by thinking about it from this standpoint. We've already, uh, I think, largely come to the uh, come to the uh, broad notion nationwide, and it's not one that I sign on to, by the way, uh, that climate change is real, uh, that it's man-made, that it is uh, exacerbated by fossil fuels, uh, and that the industry uh, needs to play a part, a big part, a huge part, in coming up with a solution to this problem. Um, and if you think I'm wrong about this, just 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 consider this. I mean, the, 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 the industry narrative now is that, you know, we need to produce more natural gas, just a shift from coal to natural gas and our electric power generation, potentially powering other areas of our economy through natural gas, um, will permit us to reduce emissions and so on and so forth and maybe kind of serve as a bridge fuel to whatever comes next. If you adopt that narrative, then you've already... Um, uh, taken about 50 steps backwards yep. uh, in terms of pushing back against this. I don't happen to uh, quite agree with all of this. I think natural gas is the miracle molecule, as a matter of fact, that, the, that uh, uh, natural gas in terms of powering our future, both in terms of electric power generation, in terms of manufacturing, uh, in terms of uh, uh, food production, um, uh, uh, and uh, in terms of uh, even motor transportation in the future, mm-hmm. uh, has an ex- I think it's going to play an extraordinary role in our economic future if we simply permit it to. And uh, but, my goodness, any time I hear an oil and gas company suggest that natural gas will be a great bridge fuel to get us to where we go next, I just want to pull. I don't really have a whole lot of hair left to pull out, but... I snatch a handful of it every time I hear this. But, but you know what? So this is, again, what makes me suggest that um, that we've lost control of this narrative a long Exactly. Time and you know what, though, Carr? One of my favorite commissioners, of course, well, all of them, all the three commissioners are, are, are favorites to me. Ryan Sitton does our Energy Minute, Commissioner Ryan Sitton. But one, Commissioner Christian is one that's far more vocal about this topic. They're emotional. Oh, they, they scare people <laughs> with these tactics. And it's okay if we want to have this discussion, then I think what we need to do is bring it on a global picture and say, until you start looking at China and India, which are bigger polluters on the planet than the United States, until you bring them into the conversation that you're willing to do something with them, I don't really think this is a conversation we should be having at the United States. Can we all do better? Sure. But it seems very disingenuous to me that you want to keep it in the ground here, but you don't have a problem with two big countries that are polluting far worse in the United States. If it is such a climate disaster occurring, then why are we not having that discussion? But I do want to take Cindy, who is calling in. Cindy, are you there? What's your question for Carr or David Blackman? Hi, Kim. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Uh- my, my question is, I live in the Corpus Christi area, and there's a lot going on. Um, 
Oh, you betcha. I was just wondering, you know, I want to know what's going to be happening in 2020. What can I expect in my area and also just for the oil and gas industry? Because I do have family in the industry also. Good question, because I think as we're winding down the year, it's a discussion we keep having. David, I know you and I are going to have an end-of-the-year show that kind of highlights all the things that happened. Uh, Carr, David, you want to take that question on what are we going to see in 2020? <clears throat> Can we expect yeah. more of the same? Well, I think so. In Corpus Christi, you know, the port is, uh, as, as the caller noted, uh, is rapidly expanding its capabilities for exporting and importing uh, oil and that uh, oil and LNG, uh, natural gas in the form of LNG. You have several major expansion projects underway. Um, you also have the uh, building of the new Harbor Bridge that's going to be just a gigantic improvement over the one that uh, I guess is now about 60 years old. Um, and, and you know, so it's going to be a, a lot more the same in terms of, of expansion, of, of new development coming into that city and that port area, but not just in the port area, but throughout the rest of the city's infrastructure as well. Um, and, of course, the downside of that is for the residents there, that means, you know, some disruptions, uh, traffic tie-ups, uh, detours that you have to take while things are, you know, while high, highways are being rerouted. All the things, things that you like really that. don't want to deal with in, in the interim, but then they finally work themselves out. Cindy, thank you for calling in to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. We appreciate your call, and we appreciate your interest in oil and gas. That would make you a smart person. If you want to be smart, I encourage you to listen and call in once a month when we have our live show. David Carr, until the next live show, thank you for joining us on In the Oil Patch Radio Show. We appreciate you joining in the conversation. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.